What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All of these things that are going on in your, in your athlete's life, it is not the world serious. It is just a game. Let them go play the game. Let them go have fun. And, you know, if you're planning to go to pizza afterwards, go to pizza and go play video games with them. Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. On today's episode, former big league right-hander Chucky Fick returns. I had Chucky on a couple years back to discuss his career. The son of a scout, going from a mid-round pick of the Cardinals to a big leaguer with the Astros. And today, I wanted to bring him back on the show to kick off something of a series I'm going to be doing maybe over the next few weeks of the show. We'll, we'll kind of see how, how this plays out, but really talking sports parenting. If you're someone like me who has a child playing youth sports or maybe you have nieces, nephews, whatever you know that that being a sports parent can be difficult sometimes and it's it's hard to know exactly what to do i mean parenting in general pretty tough but it's hard to know exactly you know what to do to give your child the best sports experience and make sure that um, you're you're doing the best you can for them. So I'm going to be talking to players like Chucky and Chucky and his, his dad, who was a scout, and his brother, who also played baseball. They've run a travel organization, the SoCal Giants, so they're still in coaching and interacting with, with kids and parents. I'm going to be talking to guys like that. So these are guys who have been on the pod, former pro baseball players, former major leaguers, going to talk to some coaches as well, hopefully talking to people in the, um, in the youth sports and, and, you know, travel ball coaches, youth sports coaches, anything to kind of get some do's and don'ts of, of sports parenting and baseball parenting. Um, it's something I kind of wanted to, to shift the show in. Maybe, maybe it's just this episode, maybe, you know, hopefully do, do a couple of this, but just kind of, you know, best practices, things to look out for, ways to make sure that whether you have a baseball background and, and you played, or maybe this podcast is the closest you've gotten to being on the baseball field past, you know, past Little League. Um, I, you know, it, it'd be good to just go over some options and some best practices to, to best give your kids or whoever you might be working with the best chance at, at getting the most out of youth sports. And I, I think as you'll hear Chucky and I talk this out, getting the most out of youth sports doesn't always mean being the best player, being the best baseball player you can be. And something that we'll talk about and Ch Chucky specifically talks about is you 
don't have to have an incredible baseball background to be an incredible baseball parent. So uh, we're going to we're gonna run this one out, going to maybe have a couple, have, have talked to a couple past guests of the show to come back and kind of share their rules of being a sports parent. But um, if you're someone with kids or who's going to have kids or, you know, like I said, have nieces, nephews, whatever, if you're, you're coaching any sports, hope you can take some value from this. I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, this is a great compliment to the recent episode of the 90th percentile when Matt and Jeff talked to Matt Pierce of the South Texas Sliders to discuss the state of youth baseball. So when you're done listening to this, definitely go back and check that out if you have some interest. But um, hopefully some to gain here from everyone. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoy this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews, including Chucky's from uh, summer of 2020. He had a great episode. Uh, highly recommend that. And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. Organization Top 30 Prospects are on the horizon. College Baseball Fall Reports are in. A lot of great stuff. Always a great time to be a subscriber to Baseball America. And with that, let's talk to Chucky Fick about baseball parenting. All right, returning to from Phenom to the farm, he joined us a couple years back. He was a 15th round pick of the Cardinals in 2007 out of Cal State Northridge, former big leaguer, Chucky Fick. Chucky, thank you so much for returning to from Phenom to the farm. Thanks for having me back. Of course, yeah. You were a, you were a perfect guy to hit up for this series that I am still trying to, trying to organize and plan out in my head, but kind of inspired from some of my last last few years of coaching some little league seeing great sports parents seeing not so great sports parents and then my experience is playing i i have vivid memories of parents that seem great parents that i'm glad i didn't have and um before we we dive into kind of the philosophy around being a good baseball parent tell me about what you do uh in your post playing days with the socal giants so for about the last 15 years, uh, my brother and my father, we, we were typically just running a fall program. My dad being a scout at the time, we were running a scout fall program here in Southern California. And so we, it was used for, for multiple different reasons. But one was to get the kids exposure to the professional scouts that, you know, we would try and recruit kids from all over Southern California. We'd have kids from Vegas and Arizona every now and again pop in. Um, so one is exposure on the professional level. Then, you know, as the draft has, has gotten more and more small in, in some, to some degree and with recruiting becoming more broad as well too, it, it transitioned more from professional, more into to, to the collegiate side of things as well too. And um, about se- six or seven years ago, we were getting done with the fall and a lot of the kids that were in our program at the time, they said, you know, can we keep playing for you? And, you know, the answer was no, like, I, you know, I had a young family my brother was still working. Like my brother, my dad was gone scouting. And so we started a summer ball team too. And so we've slowly but surely expanded into to, to the summer ranks. You know, we won the PG World Series in 2021. So that was a, a really pride, prideful moment for the program as well. But, you know, the joke for a long time was we were the best team no one had ever heard of because we didn't play in, in any sort of tournament or events. Um, so it's, recently I've kind of stepped back a little bit. My brother and my dad are still running it with a couple of different guys. And first and foremost, it is for exposure, whether it be to professional uh, scouts or to, to the college ranks as well, too. It's just about making sure that the kids are developing uh, against, and we're also the best team we usually play against as well, too. So they, they go out and it's the Hunger Games on every single weekend that um, there's four groups and they go and compete against each other and try and rip each other's throats out as uh, respectfully as possible. So that's kind of what we're doing over here right now. So you're, I went back and listened to to our episode and kind of looked through some of our notes when we talked about your career specifically. And you, like you mentioned, you grew up as the the son of a scout. 
But when you talked about your dad and and your upbringing and you know how how you went about baseball as an amateur, at least like pre college, a lot of the stuff you talked about with your dad as far as being a good baseball dad wasn't really related to he had all this knowledge and taught me how to be a future big league pitcher. It was more about how he treated you and, and your siblings and, and kind of his philosophy on baseball. So if you could walk me through like what what were things that your dad did well as a baseball dad, whether with his background or not? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, he created an environment where, you know, a lot of time when people were new to being around him, they were intimidated by him because of the title that he held or his background in the game. And, you know, my uncle currently in the big leagues. And so a lot of time people were very uptight or, or nervous to approach him. And what he did was he created it's such a loose and fun environment to where he was the biggest kid on the field at all times. And that allowed everyone to kind of really let their shoulders down, exhale and be themselves. And so there was never any pressure on myself, never any pressure on the kids. And yeah, like, you know, we won a lot as kids, but it wasn't because uh, we had the best coach. It wasn't because we had the best players. It was a combination of, of a lot of different factors where people, we got, I got excited to go to baseball practice and people got excited to go to baseball games well too. And so this doesn't really have to do with baseball, but he also coached soccer uh, when my brother and my sister, my brother and I uh, were younger as well too. And the last 15 minutes of every soccer practice, the parents would show up and the parents would scrimmage the kids. And so if you can imagine in 1995, uh, you know, a mother or father showing up, mother taking off her high heels, coming from from work and and running around and playing soccer in a pencil skirt or, or you know, dad coming in suit and tie and taking his dress shoes off and playing soccer against his kid the last 15 minutes. And that was the type of environment that was really brought forth that allowed people to, to grow and learn the game in a, in a healthy way. Yeah, from what I've kids just respond well to fun. I think that that's like a very obvious thing to say. But I, I think at any age, kids respond well when and, and this is a game. Baseball's a game. It's supposed to be fun. And there, you know, there are times to take things seriously and put work in. And there are, there are times still to have fun. I think some people on either end of the spectrum get get lost in a little bit of that. So you mentioned with with the SoCal Giants and when kids get into high school and decide I'm going to be a baseball player in high school and I, I want to go somewhere with this, that that is a little more more serious because you want to, you know, you want to make your high school's varsity team. You want to be able to contribute. You want to find a place to play in college or play in pros or things like that. Things are a little, a little ramped up and those, those games matter more. But what, before we get into the, you know, how parents can help when a kid gets into his freshman year of high school or gets to the age where he starts, you know, he starts playing for you guys and what kind of relationship does he need to have with baseball? I think, I think mentally, because skills vary and bodies vary and kids change a lot between 14 and 18. But what kind of mental approach does a kid need to have in order to project success for the next four years? First and foremost, I think our selection process for the program is, has gotten to a point now where you know we hold the tryout every single year, but a lot of it is, is referral based that we won't even bring a kid on if we hear rumblings of him being a bad teammate, a bad kid, a bad student. Um, we can't help those types of players. We can't help those types of families. And so we set our own bar very high and we want to make sure we're giving an 
an ROI to the families that come and spend hours in the car and, and hours on the field as well too, and driving to Arizona and, and you know, here, there and everywhere. So I think our selection process, one is very good. And two, you know, if you're someone that word gets out that you don't actually like to play the game, you're just out here you know, trying to, to get a scholarship to help out mom and dad, you know, this, it, it's a grind, you know, the big league is 162 games, college is 56 games, but you know, a lot more goes into it than just the games. It is the academics. It is the time in the gym. It is the the, the pushing of, of friends together. It's the travel time. Um, so I think the mental state uh, that really needs to be instituted at an early age is that, yeah, it's really, really fun and it should be fun. And, but the more fun you have, the more successful you're going to have, the more success you have, the more fun it's going to be as well too. And there are times when you put your head down and work, but for the most part, it is a game and you know, the 1% of the 1% actually make it to where you get to watch on TV here in the world series. Um, you know, you just want to make sure that you're instituting good habits for yourself when you become an adult and as you grow older. So let's then talk about the, the ways that parents can nurture their kids. I would say from like, even like nine to 13 or 14, because I think at those younger ages is when parents are more involved, even if they're not coaching, because the the intimacy of a little league dugout is a lot closer to the the you know the parents than say when you're 14 to 18 and you're playing baseball seriously you're playing for your high school you're playing travel ball there is less I need mom and dad to do such and such for me there's more involvement there so and I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of good and bad and poor behavior out of high school parents out of whatever. But in terms of let, let's start with the actual game or the actual practice, kind of assuming that baseball parent A who did or didn't play baseball, I don't think you need to have played baseball or have played any sports to be a to be a positive baseball parent. But kind of what are, I guess, exemplary behaviors of what can a parent do when they're what should a parent do during their child's game or practice to best foster a, a positive mental environment? Uh, so it's kind of a twofold approach. So whether you have a, a background in baseball or not, uh, it doesn't matter. I have seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst that they played at a high level or they didn't even know what the base, you know, what the game of baseball was until a few years ago. And so I think any parent's job during that kind of nine to 13 range is one is you're the keeper of the calendar you're making sure your kid is there prepared and on time first and foremost. And secondly, you're their biggest fan. You're not just the biggest fan of your own child, but you're the biggest fan of the coach that's putting forth the practice plan. Um, the one that's running the hitting station, the ones running the defensive station and every other kid on that team, because all it takes is one bad seed and it throws off the entire culture and energy of whether it be a practice or a game. So I can't stress that enough that each parent um, you know, as, as much as you just like to, to go and watch your, your own kid play, you should be there to watch all of them and encourage everyone. And so with that, especially I would say in little league or in early travel ball, when it's a lot of like daddy ball teams, when there are coaches who are just there volunteering their time, trying to, trying to do their best who may or may not have the, the most knowledge in the world. Um, there will naturally come a time, I'm sure, when parents disagree with something their coach is saying or something their their coach is, is doing. So kind of throwing that that situation in there, what are what are the steps that you would like to see parents take if there is some sort of disagreement? I would say aside from like a, hey, this coach is doing something that is like not good for my child's mental or physical health. 
assuming it's not catastrophic and it's and it's completely objective if there's an objective problem that's a whole other scenario but i think parents need to take a a, a really big step back pull out their view pull out their view to the 50,000 mile view and look at them and and what they bring to the table in their professional life too you know we as as People, we show up to work every single day, whether you like your boss or not, whether the person that is creating your calendar, you're always going to have disagreements with them. But you don't step out of your office on any given day and yell at your coworker because they didn't get their work done. You will politely have a conversation with them or you'll put your head down and just continue to do your work and know that, you know, as a team, things are going to be supported and get done the right way. Um, You know, looping that into being a baseball parent, it's, it's just mutual respect, honestly. Um, most, most parents, most coaches who are out there trying, they don't have a background like my father had. They don't have a background like I did. The ones that do, you should be very, very lucky. And most of the time, they, they're big, happy-go-lucky kids, too. Being in a big league clubhouse, the majority, you know, 25 guys in there, I would say 24 of them have the mental, you know, mental state of a 12-year-old kid, and that's how it should be. They're there having fun. They just happen to get paid a lot of money to do so even though there's millions of people watching TV and there's 45,000 people in stands. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but when does winning and losing really, really matter? Uh, Honestly, not until you're at the the varsity level on a team that's supposed to be competitive. I think that's the biggest divide is that you you can enter a year and have high hopes and, and really want to put your best foot forward as a, as a team. But ultimately you are one of 15, you're one of 25. And if you do your job, that's all you can do. Uh, the focus on winning and losing, you know, especially in the recruiting process, you know, winning players do end up winning more games. But when I get a call from a scout or, or a college coach, they don't ask, Hey, did his team go 11 and 17 last year or 17 and 11? That's never a conversation. They want to know, is he a good teammate? Is he a hard worker? Does he communicate well? And oh, by the way, how are his grades? So you're telling me that my kid's nine and 10-year-old Little League championship is not is not do or die. This isn't something they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. No one is ever going to remember if you win the Cooperstown event or not. With um, with that, with, with like, um, we talked game behavior a little bit, a lot of especially with uh, with youth sports, like pre high school, they're not, it's not as if you're in high school where you're practicing every day, you know, with, with your team or in college, obviously you, you practice six to seven days a week, just depending on when in the year it is with youth sports. It's a little, it's a little more spread out. You maybe have two games a week or one game a week and one sporadic practice. What are things that good baseball parents can do to, to best assist their kids without being, I guess, overbearing for their kids. And again, I, I would say that this is something that there, there are parents who have no baseball background that can still do a lot of positive things in, in, you know, in between practice and game and helping their kids get work in. You encourage the work. Um, and, and, the, and when I say the work, if it's baseball season, yeah. Hey, you, you want to go play catch? Hey, I, I, I got a new bucket of balls. You want to go hit a little bit? If they don't want to do that, that's okay. All right. Well, you want to shoot hoops. I, I kind of think about being a sports parent and, you know, my daughter's seven years old now and she played two years ago. She actually played baseball. So she was the only girl in, in our league and not every day, but every, maybe every, every other day, you know, I would take the tennis ball and just kind of start, you know, just tossing it to her. And if she wanted to, to catch it and throw it back, then we'd play a little catch. But 
it was never a, we must do this or we have to do this. And then, you know, there are other ways to, to create hand-eye coordination there and athletic, you know, that those kind of uh, nerve endings. If you want to go shoot hoop or play video games or, Hey, we just got MLB the show 2023. Let's go play together. And I, I can tell you my, my dad, when we were kids, he would take kids that didn't know a lot about the game and we'd come over, they'd come over the house and we'd play Ken Griffith junior baseball for an hour or two. So they learned that you ran to first base to the right, as opposed to left, instead of running a third base. And if the ball went to the outfield, where do you throw the ball in? Do you throw it to first base or do you throw it to second base? And so video games helped kind of create that, that learning ability too. It doesn't, it's not always about taking a hundred swings off the tee every day. Um, it's we, as parents, we encourage certain things and me as a man and, and, you know, having a dating life, you know, we say, Hey, I'd like to take you out to dinner tonight. Not saying, not going to say, if you don't go to dinner with me tonight, then I'm not going to go on a date with you. It's the same type of soft recommendation approach, as opposed to drawing a hard line in the sand. And the thing I was going to try to avoid bringing my opinions are just my thoughts into this, but something kind of piggybacking on that, that I think is great. That's something like my dad did, like my dad ran, I think he ran like cross country in, in high school. So he's a baseball fan, but he didn't have a baseball background and something that he did really well. And something even now I try to do well, because I think my kid will listens to this a little bit better is if you're, if you're a parent and you're watching instruction and your kid's coach, especially if you have a knowledgeable coach or they're, they're doing lessons or something like that, you watch and listen to what that person is instructing. So like my, if we're just taking my situation personal, my kid is struggling to stay back when he hits. And so all when, when we put work in, I'm not saying, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. It's, Hey, we, you know, we talked to coach Luke and coach Luke gave you this drill. So remember, remember that is just pick things that your kids are doing in lesson or your kids are doing in practice. And it, it's easier to, to focus on that and say, Hey, this person with this knowledge told you this, this is something that's important to focus on as opposed to, Hey, you just need to do this. Cause I'm telling you to do this because I think as we all know, sometimes kids are less likely to listen to their parents than they are perhaps a different authority figure when it comes to sports. Absolutely. It diffuses the message in the most positive way. That's a great point. Um, the, the last kind of aspect I want to get into, and I think is often the most important aspect, it's where parents can kind of make or break a kid's love for the game, how a kid approaches the game, how a kid feels about themselves after a game or a practice is just the whole car ride home about, you know, talking out how the game went, being honest with them, but also, also being supportive. Do you have kind of a, a car ride home formula? I think first and foremost, you, you let the, the kid bring it up uh, as the parent. You don't, you don't say, so what happened today? Or, you know, if anything to ask him, how'd you feel about today? Uh, let, let it be really open-ended uh, if they want to talk about it, we as athletes, uh, whether you're 37 or seven or anywhere in between, um, if you have any sort of drive to be something, you're your, you're your biggest critic. You're your harshest critic. We don't need to be told that we didn't stay back on the O2 breaking ball. We didn't need to be told that the air in the second inning was crucial to us losing the game today. We already know that. And so as the parent, um, you know, going to the game or going, home from the game it's you know have a plan of like hey after the game tonight we're gonna go get pizza hey game over with we're, st- we're still going to pizza right and if the, if your son or daughter wants to talk about that they'll talk about it 
And, you know, an open wound like that, you don't want to put salt on it right now. Let it close up a little bit and then maybe in a day or two, then reapproach them with, with empathy and kindness saying, hey, you know, can we talk about what happened the other day? And I just want to make sure that, you know, you know, coach is making sure that you're understanding where you need to be on a certain play or, uh, you know, do we need to get a little, a little extra work in this week with Coach Luke about um, staying back? I like that. I like that. Um, how would you deal with success? too cuz that there's another there's a line of wanting to say good job but also not saying like hey job is over job is finished hey you're you stayed back this game you're going to be you're going to be great you're going to hit 500 this year what are i positive ways to deal with success cuz i think there's there's also you know a, a side of that where things could go awry if it's overpraise i think and i do this with my own daughter um i, I tell her i'm i'm proud of you I'm proud of you, know, of you being a great kid, a great student. Uh, I'm very proud of, of the work that you put in today. I'm really proud that you got that hit today as well, too. I, it, it becomes just a part of the bigger conversation and, and positive reinforcement. It's not saying, I think you're great because you got the two out hit. It's like, I'm proud of you because of the person that you are. And I'm really proud that um, you know, you're taking these ups and downs in stride. We've talked about the, the how-to or the things to do. In in your time in baseball, both playing, coaching, whatever, are there any are there any red flags or common behaviors that you've seen that might just be from a misunderstanding of how to best approach an, an athlete or, or things like that that um, that you want to highlight? I, I think a big red flag is when the parent of an athlete has higher highs and lower lows than the than the person actually playing the game. Um, you know, we all are very proud and, and subjectively love our kids and think they're wonderful and awesome. But, you know, we can't live vicariously through, through our, our children because of things that we did or did not accomplish in our own lives. Um, you know, I don't have a son, but I would love for my daughter to one day be a hall of fame, something. I don't even care what it is, but because I knew I was never a hall of famer. I got all of 65 days in the babies. I would hope she gets to arbitration at least or a full year of service time. Well, you know, <laughs> You can apply that to, to any sort of business whatsoever, but, you know, creating habits so they can be uh, successful long-term. I like that. I like that. Um, the la- I didn't, I didn't prep you for this. So if you don't have anything like this, no worries, but do you have like a three to five to 10 rules for being just a sports parent in general, not even a base- baseball parent, just a sports parent. If you're playing travel ball, and you pay to play, which is the majority of time. Um, if you were to pay a yoga instructor, you would not show up and tell them how they should teach the teach the class that day. First and foremost. Secondly, um, while playing, whether it be you know travel ball as a, as a young kid or or as an older kid, um, you you make a commitment to the team, and they commit to you as well too. Our program, we're only allowed X amount of um, players. We cap it off. Specifically, when it comes to pitchers, if you're a pitcher, you better show up. And and if you can't, aren't going to show up that that week, please communicate that as best as possible. And that comes from whether it be the kid or adult. We'd love for it, for it to come to the kid because you know that's them taking responsibility and taking action about you know what might impact and affect other people on the team. And then I think you know just having mutual respect for for everyone, whether it be player and parent parent and coach and or parent or player and coach as well too if that triangle if there's good communication and everyone's on the same page and has the same objective and 
assuming, you know, the coach isn't a snake oil salesman and the parent thinks his kid's going to be, you know, the next Justin Verlander. I think um, there's a way to, to make this as smooth as possible and just create habits to be successful in life, not just in sports. I, I, I think that's, that's well put and, uh, and well said, but I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to end this without you saying something that you told me before we started recording about what your dad would refer to the baseball games as when, when you were younger. This is not just for baseball. This is for everything. It's, it's one of his greatest one-liners ever. And, uh, I'll leave everyone with this is that all of these things that are going on in your, in your athlete's life, it is not the world serious. It is just the game. Let them go play the game. Let them go have fun. And, you know, if you're planning to go to pizza efforts, go to pizza and go play video games with them. Chucky, that's all I've got for you. Where can folks follow you? Because you do you do post a lot of uh, good content on Twitter, I guess, X, whatever we're calling it now. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of taken a step back from it. But every now and again, I do see something. It's at Chucky Fick, but I don't really do a whole lot. But I'm, I'm here to just support the kids, honestly. Um, it's a, a, a huge source of pride when we take kid from, you know, more or less obscurity. Um, a good uh, representation of this year is Victor Vodnik, who was a, I believe, a 14 round draft pick of the Oakland, of the Atlanta Braves years ago. He made his major debut this year. Um, we got a call years ago from, from Victor's father. And he's, and, you know, that Anthony said, you know, you know, I think my kid throws like 90 miles an hour. We're like, yeah, prove it. You know, all right. And so we looked him up and we saw him on Baseball Factory the year before. He touched 87. He was on some sort of velocity list and he showed up his first out. He was 88, 92. And, you know, all, we were playing the other team. The other team came up and tried to talk to him. We brought him aside and said, listen, Victor, like for the next year, we just need you to trust us and we're going to get you where you need to be. And they, they fully bought into the process that we were trying to do. We limited his pitch count. We made sure that he shut down when he needed to shut down. He ramped up when he needed to ramped up and he made his major debut this year. And so people like him are, are why we still do what we do. It's because, you know, there was potential that he could have gotten lost in the shuffle because he went to Rialto high school and, and no one is going out to ever see Rialto play. I don't even know. Etiwan is a pretty good program, but that's the only Rancho Cucamonga call. I don't know. <laughs> so it's about just creating exposure and giving kids a platform and an opportunity to be seen. Well, I, I appreciate you stopping by the show, returning to the show, uh, sharing your philosophies and, um, you know, glad. I, I hope everyone, myself included, can, can learn a little bit from you and keep up the great work. You got it. And that's it for today's episode from Feeding on the Farm. Big thanks to Chucky Fick for returning to the show, sharing his philosophies on sports parenting. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you were able to take something from this one and uh, hope we can do a couple more episodes like this that everyone enjoys. As always, remember to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. And we'll catch you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.